I don't know. Yep. It's been in that After desk it's since, opened, you, yeah. Yeah, since we recorded the episode. You where you were mis- away. It's probably why you puked. It's probably why you don't. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, keep refrigerated. Used within seven to ten days of opening. Okay, so it's been open for longer than seven to ten days. Nope. And it's definitely not been in the refrigerator. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just fermented now. That's all. That's all. Um, so I got a story. Oh, I got a sorry, story. Go ahead. This feels like something your backwards ass town would do. Uh, Dalton. Um, so this story was sent to me by a coworker who thought I'd get a kick out of it, and he was correct. Um, so this is out of Kingsville, Texas. This is in this friendly little ranching town. Hello is wearing out its welcome. Uh, and Leo Leonzo Canales Jr. is happy as heck. At his urging, the Clelberg County Commissioners on Monday unanimously designated Heaven O as the county's official greeting. The reason hello contains the word hell. <laughs> Oh my god! So these idiots in this town, and I'm sorry. I'm this is I'm gonna roast these fuckers now. I'll just say when they greet each other, they go heaven no, heaven no. Oh, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> what happened to just saying hey right, or, or hi? hi. <laughs> what's or up? Howdy. What's happening? What's popping? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it ends the article too. The best part about this is that uh, it's this this guy David Sabrio, a professor of English at Texas A and M University Kingsville, noted that the Oxford English Dictionary says "hello" stems from an old German greeting for hailing a boat. Linguistically and historically, the word "hello" has no connection at all with what we associate with the underworld. He said, "People may make that connection in their own mind. I certainly don't." He's fucking insane. Lies. It's so, so stupid. But insane. It, it, it will. It will. I think bridge naturally into what we're talking about um today so heaven oh to all of our listeners we're so glad you joined us today <laughs> on if you catch my grift i just say hell i say hell no oh just hell hell people hell people from if you catch my grift we're here to uh, what are you doing it's this is a lemonade working its way through your system poisoning you um <laughs> I don't know. I thought I was going to do a funny bit, but I lost it. <laughs> the train went off the track somewhere. Almost immediately. I wasn't able to pick it back up. <laughs> Almost immediately. The train was in the ditch, much like your car uh, was oh, last wow. week. You can't see what's not seen until you let go. But what is seen? I'm talking about your money. We're If You Catch My Griff, we're a podcast about carnies, conmen, and thieves. Today, we are joined by Austin. Hello. And Charlie. I, fuck, I already screwed it up. I'm in heaven O. Ah, oh, heaven O. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> All right, what we got today, Austin? So I know for a fact that you know a little about uh, Jim Baker. I love him so much. <laughs> but oh yeah, how much do you know about Tammy Faye? Not a lot. So this is going to be a special if you catch my grift, because I'm going to say from the get go that she is absolutely top tier, one of my favorite people. Period. 
not just grifters, just I just love Tammy Faye. I really am a huge fan of hers. And this is like in a totally unironic way. And so <laughs> when I, I put this episode together because I was like, we need to change pace. We need I need to be happy talking about someone because the last few people have made me very sad inside. And I was like, we're gonna this is this is my show. I'm gonna do something different and I'm gonna sing her praises. And yes, this is my show. <laughs> you know, it's to break an old man's hip in the last episode, Austin. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was drunk but a yes and i actually stand by those words so you can bleep all of that out again uh i'll take out jb fucking hill let's go brother uh anyway um, <laughs> i wish i remembered that you will just re-listen to the episode it's, yeah, no. it's, it's amazing no. it's, it's one of my best editing jobs <laughs> it's because you it's one of your most edited jobs <laughs> so i i'm, I'm unironically I, I love this woman and she is technically a grifter. Um, so we're going to bring her into the, into the fold on that loophole, but just know that I come at this story from a place of, of admiration and affection as opposed to cold hatred and you know, like just absolute disgust. So it's going to be a little different, although we are going to talk a lot about Jim Baker and he can rot in hell uh, for all I'm concerned. So have you seen the video of him uh, trying his like apocalypse buckets and oh, cry, yeah. like oh, yeah. he's trying the stoop, right? It's like this creamy potato soup and he tries it he goes no it's like that he does like he mixes the mac and cheese he puts the cheese in with the rice and he has like this cheesy rice and these big oh, yeah it's it's a vic burger did it it's on youtube it's fantastic but yeah he's, oh, he's, so good. he's awful he's now, awful and, and you're, you're, you want to do dalton <laughs> <laughs> well so usually i do try to break dalton's brain and i really think you're gonna think much much less of uh jim baker when we get out of this story oh you know? no i think he's a horrible person that's okay, part good. of the charm you're gonna like him even less than thinking he's a horrible person um so the the whole the whole funny bit of like him trying his food is like him like feigning crying because like the food is adorned with the holy spirit that's his thing his thing is like the fake crying he's been doing it his entire career where he can he can he's like meg ryan he can cry on command and he does it all the fucking time uh whereas tammy faye cries all the time but i think it's just i don't think she's doing it on purpose i think she's just a very emotional person and she cries a lot <laughs> so <feel> you, Tammy. <laughs> yeah like i can't argue uh like like emotionally argue because i cry i'm a crier when i argue and yeah. i get emotional and i, I, I fucking, fucking hate, hate it i hate it so much i cry at have you ever stuff. cried like in a fight like oh yeah the, like, dude like it sucks it's like you're punching somebody you're like <laughs> <laughs> i don't it just I, that's just the way i am i don't know man it's fucked up i hate it but yeah, yeah. Man. guys should talk more about crying i think that that's a very healthy thing dude yeah. no no i hate crying i hate crying in front of people like that is like like i will fucking hide my face i'll like i'll try to get out of the room like it's fucking awful i am just peak toxic masculinity yep, you are <laughs> but that was gonna say that's why it's because you like you <laughs> be a man dalton don't be a pussy man yeah don't be a fucking pussy don't be a bitch all that bullshit from from like school like that just reminds me of shit from school and like once i got out of school i realized like i don't have to answer to anybody about any of this i can just do what i want and be okay with myself it's been very freeing so like i like different music that i would have never liked in school because like oh you can't like that right. that kind of shit so so tammy faye lavalley was born in international falls minnesota on March 7th, 1942, 
she was a Pisces. I just had to look that up because you know this it seemed appropriate. It's and according to damn thing, <laughs> according to the internet though, the, the internet. Wait, is that her moon sign or sun sign? Why? What? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. <laughs> but according to the internet, if you're a Pisces, it means you're a visionary. Um, Pisces are empathetic. They surround themselves with people from whom they can learn something. They hate rudeness and often don't understand why people are so selfish and cruel to others. And actually, honestly, that kind of sums her up. So say what you will about astrology. Ooh, do mine. I'm not doing. I did. I had to look this up. I don't know off the top of my head when anybody is. I'm a Virgo. Um, no, you're not. I am a Virgo. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what that means. It doesn't mean anything to me. I had to look this up. What do mine? No, I'm not doing yours. No. Okay. Uh, um, so both of Tammy's parents were Pentecostal um, ministers, uh, but they got divorced at a very young age. And her mom ended up remarrying, but the divorce was kind of like a black mark on both her mom and her, because in the Pentecostal church, that's basically as bad as adultery, is right. being, being divorced and, and getting remarried. And um, it was funny, I was actually doing research on another grifter who also was is a Mormon, and I reached out to my Mormon contact, my, my buddy who I pumped for information, and I was like, I was like, hey, so what is the Mormon church's stance on marriage? Because I was like, maybe it's really archaic. And he's like, divorces happen. The family's important, but you, it's it's more important that you're not in a toxic relationship. And I was like, when when the Mormons are just that much more progressive than Pentecostals, you know, you're, yeah. you're on something. I came up in a Pentecostal church, and whenever my mom uh, got divorced from her first husband, not my dad, but the one before that. Um, Paul's my honey. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, my mom would always tell me stories about my grandma that we met the other day, but you know, take, take this for what it is. My grandma's cool now, but back then she was a lot more like invested in the church, but my mom would tell stories about how my grandma would tell her, Oh, I can't even look you in the eye. I can't yep. even go to the store with you. I just, I just don't feel comfortable around it about yep. getting divorced when in reality, yeah. her husband was beating her. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's wild. So like, according to, to the, um, there, I'm actually going to lean on this book called uh, PTL. It's a fantastic book. Um, I, I actually read it for fun initially, and then then we started doing the show, so I went back and reread it. Um, but it's it's great, and I'll put the I'll put the book in the the credits for the show. Um, but from that book, it said um, to the people of a Pentecostal church, which was called Full Gospel Assembly. "Quote: My mother was a harlot." Tammy later remembered. I don't know why she stuck it out. Despite giving more than she could afford and pitching into church activities, the church refused to let her play the piano or kneel and pray at the altar, which is considered a sacred space. She had to pray at her pew instead. And in quotes again, I remember some terrible fights at our house when the pastor and his wife would come over and scream at my mother, T uh, Tammy, later. Recalled. What were they doing? Was just coming over and be like, whore! Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it? That's, that's what it sounds it's so like. weird. It's that's so what? weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Um, in fact, Tammy didn't even attend her mother's church due to the stigma of being a kid that was from divorce. I don't blame um, her. That sounds yeah. awful. Yeah, it sounds awful. So she luckily had an aunt, her aunt Virginia, who she called Aunt Jen, and she kind of like became a second mom to Tammy and took care of her. And they went to they went to Aunt Jen's church. She just was she kind of looked out for her. Um, and they uh, she actually was Tammy was the oldest of four. So there were two children from her mom and her dad. And then there were six more children between her mom and her stepdad. So God damn. It's These religious cults just make no sense to me. Yeah. Anyway, but it, it I mean, it's easy to I think to see this dude had 10 kids. Eight, six, eight, eight two. OK, let's do the same fucking. Mom. Well, the mom had well, the, mean, the mom had eight kids. 
if in a religious household like that it makes sense because like they're not just fucking for fun they're like they want to procreate have <laughs> they a big are family yeah we're growing the church now baby um but they were dirt fucking burnt i mean these they had no running water this was like they were dirt dirt poor growing up and she this is um another quote from tammy she said saturday night at our house was just a riot because that's when we got our baths she later wrote her mother would heat the water on the stove and pour it into a galvanized tub they all had to use the same bath water with the cleanest ones going first <laughs> mm, i can't wait to swim country, my sister's living, country living um in high school she discovered theater after getting cast in the musical oklahoma uh about the same time she discovered makeup is definitely going to be a big part of Ooh. her brand uh coming up well, all i can think about when the when oklahoma comes up now is fucking euphoria <laughs> that's he <laughs> just bitch you better be joking that's all i can think of now <laughs> if you know you know anyway i have a hot take on that but i'm gonna share it here because i don't i know i know i know your hot take and that's fine like i i don't understand why people like want to fight about like i really like the show i don't like the show i think it's mid okay whatever i won't talk to you about it yeah yeah yeah. i'm not trying to convince people want to fight like no you're wrong it's like no i can have my opinion it's not the same as yours it's fine they're evangelical for the church for the show it's the same thing that we're talking about here it just happens to be pop culture there's no fucking stakes at all anyway uh makeup was something that was forbidden by her church and but she continued to wear it she didn't care um she always had a really strong sense of faith so much so that she went on to attend north central bible college um her aunt aunt had been saving away for her to attend college which is just kind of a reflection of that relationship um it was at college that she met jim they both had dreams of starting their own ministry so it was a pretty good fit um jim was really charismatic he could talk people in the building tammy was a great singer and could play the piano um and so yeah, they had the, the it factor when they were together. They were very much a team. You know, Jim was the, the the minister. Tammy was the music director. She had this, she had this very, like, she had a, um, her speaking voice and her singing voices are very different. Like, you know, she's, she, she speaks one day. And then when she, when she goes to sing, she drops like a couple of octaves and she's got like this really deep voice when she sings. It's kind of Can wild. you give us an example? No, I'm not going to sing. I, I remember this much from from the uh, from the movie. So yeah, we're, yep. we're on par. I know you said you fucking hated the film, so I'm waiting. To, I need you to tell me where I, it goes I off the rails to the point where you're like, no, I didn't hate it. I just like the movie that it was based on more, and I thought that it was because it's actually based. So this movie is based on a movie from 2000 called The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which was okay. a documentary that RuPaul actually put together and produced <laughs> so if Wait, okay. should rupaul drag race rupaul rupaul drag race RuPaul. Yes, yes, if that yeah. shows you kind of where this this is the story is going to go a lot so of places. you you told me not to finish the film but i kind of want to see this documentary like i wish i would have watched the documentary i could send you the documentary we... you can't find it okay. anywhere i will send it to oh, you. Really? I, I had to actually well, I figured it you put it in the dropbox yeah so i had to sign up for this service to get this documentary <laughs> and watch it again because uh, it's been years and i used to have a digital rip and I, so yeah i had to go get the dvd from netflix in order because it's not on any streaming service or any digital platform and i tried no, to you said dvd.com 
Yeah, it's it's owned by Netflix. They split their business. But Netflix, the company still sends DVDs out. I know this. DVD.com. I know this because it's the only way you can get the Cowboy Bebop movie. So these two, so they were obviously great chemistry, good match. Even physically, they matched up perfectly because Jim was five foot four. And Tammy, little people don't know, is was four foot ten. So they oh, were like that's about grandma and papa. Yeah, they're like these teeny tiny little preachers. Oh so my cute. gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> um, Jim, I, I gotta, I gotta be fair to Jim. I, I actually don't have to be fair to Jim. Fuck that guy. But I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway. Um, Jim didn't have an easy childhood either. Uh, while his family didn't have the financial hardships that Tammy's did, you know, they had a, they had a TV. And actually, one, at one point, Tammy visited Jim's parents, and she thought that they were the wealthiest people she'd ever encountered because they had a television and running water. This just shows you how that is she was. that's surprising because my grandma and papa probably grew up around the same time as uh tammy and jim and they had like no inside plumbing they did not have electricity yep. they didn't have any running water yep. and so yeah so when she went to his house she was oh my god um but jim's parents were also very very um religious but they were also really cold and unloving to Jim. Jim was the, I think he was the youngest and he was born premature and spent time in an incubator before he was able to go home, but they were just really distant and just didn't show him any attention. And unfortunately, kind of as a result of this, he was taken advantage of by an older member of the church. And yeah, there's, there's some real grossness that happened uh with that but his parents you know allowed it because this guy was with the church and they trusted him and it just really that'll fuck you up that is not a great thing to have happen um but anyway on their third date tammy and jim uh jim proposed (laughs) so he was it was very quick when you know you know (laughs) yeah when you know you know yeah like don't how how long before you and vic got married uh from like when we knew each other or when we yeah. started dating like when you started dating was it quick or do, uh, about was it because three or four you knew months. each other no, three, three or four, four months, months. okay yeah. wow all right yeah. well we knew each other since like i was you like were a, a little child piss baby. okay yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. a little piss baby yeah yeah i was like five or six what about you what about you match. austin like uh, how long we moved in together about nine months after we started dating okay but i'd, I'd known him a year before that okay well, we we moved, me and her moved in together like a month after we started. <laughs> she gave oh, I was yeah, but my you, grandparents. Again, that, you knew each other, so it's yeah, like yeah. I, that, see all that time adds up. Like when I was like dating a, a girl that I went to school with, like because we fucking knew each other since kindergarten. Like we we had to we got to skip a lot of that like not knowing each other phase. Like we knew so much right. about each other because right. we grew up together. So like yeah, it would have moved very fast if like there wasn't other complications in the relationship. So yeah, yeah. Um, so they got married about a year later on April Fool's Day of all days in 1961. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so they, their anniversary was just a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. Except they were divorced. <laughs> oh wow! Well, uh, spoiling the story, man. I was all happy for a minute. <laughs> You're not going to stay happy with a marriage. This is this marriage is is full of, of a lot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that far in the story, Just so you got to fill me in. <laughs> well, so they they had a bunch of little side jobs, and about a year after they got married, they decided to hit the road and start their own little ministry, which is something mm-hmm. that you see Pentecostals do. We've talked about it. Tent revivals, baby. Numerous times how they all kind of like just hit up different churches until they find a job that they can stick with um 
so they were poor. They um, they didn't make a ton of money on these revivals. One gig, even uh, they were paid <laughs> with a live chicken. And Tammy uh, Tammy adopted the chicken and, and turned it into her pet for a little while. So I love that. <laughs> have a name. Southern bullshit. I, I love couldn't it. find a name. I couldn't find oh, a name. Damn. Um, it's probably not that original, considering that she named her first child Tammy Sue. So <laughs> it's probably Colonel Sanders, <laughs> <laughs> who weirdly is going to come back into play in this story. <laughs> The colonel or the chicken? The colonel. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dalton. <laughs> you too. Oh, fucker. Um, huh? <laughs> so, so they eventually they managed. This is I love this detail. I left it in because it made me happy. Eventually, they were able to manage to they managed to save enough money to buy a twenty foot twenty eight foot holiday rambler, which they pulled behind their nineteen fifty nine Cadillac. I love, I love image, that. Right, like a Cadillac pulling this big old camper on the back of it, and that's what they that's what they drove around until they uh, eventually wrecked the camper. Um. My uncle, uh, <laughs> my grandma's brother, he got a Prius because it was really good on gas, but he didn't have anything to tow his trailer behind. Right, so he got a trailer hitch installed on his Prius, so he oh can tow God. his trailer around and move at the other properties that he owns. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, good for the transmission, man. Uh, it's not good at all. For <laughs> so um, their big break kind of came uh, at when Tammy Faye made uh, a couple of puppets out of this bubble bath that she'd had. So these bubble baths had these animal heads on them. And she right. took the head and she's like, I can make a puppet and then we can actually cater our show to kids. Like we'll do a, a, a Christian puppet show and so that kind of nothing says christianity like indoctrinating children yes yes (laughs) it's funny too because i not too far from where i live uh before covid times i there was a point where i was riding my bicycle into work Uh, every day i was a a bike commuter and i always passed and they would set up this it was this like puppet show christian puppet show right outside of some of the housing projects that i would that i would pass by on my way home he's like very very white christian you know it's really interesting that we are doing this episode sans young ed because young ed loves puppets and he loves like (laughs) the church so like this would have been perfect to have ed on now that i think about this i mean at least for this segment but funny enough i was actually talking to ed about it and he he's like i just know that she's I, i asked him if she he knew Tammy Faye and he's like yeah my he has an older brother and he said my brother is obsessed with her and I don't understand why because she was like this you know this lady who wears a lot of makeup and cries all the time and I was like all right so listen to this episode and I think you'll I'll I'll be able to convince you or at least I'll be able to explain to you why your brother likes Tammy Faye so that's yeah we definitely was top of mind when I was writing this um so yeah so we got some puppets right so we have the two puppets that uh, the two original puppets were Susie Moppet and Allie Alligator. Oh, and yeah, so they they had a little puppet show. Um, and now we're going to enter one of our big characters uh, to this story, a guy named Marion Gordon Robertson. You, either of you guys heard of this dude? No, but it sounds like a fancy pants. Well, Marion Gordon Robinson actually Robertson actually goes by another name these days, Pat. Robertson. Ah, son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Son of a bitch. I'm furiously Googling right now. You're going to know exactly who it is as soon as you see him. Like Marion Cobretti. Pat, Pat Robertson. Cobra. Because of Marion. I get Dude, it. Dude, I hate my fat fingers. Too, so. Yeah, I was like, what? how? It's Pat is three letters. And then Robertson ought to autofill. I have no idea who this is. No? No. He's like the, the king of Christian broadcasting. Yeah. He's the host it. of the 700 Club. Oh! 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, he's the one that said that the gays were responsible for 9 11. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Although he okay. looks like grandpa um, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre these days. He, <laughs> he retired a few years ago. He's been making uh, frequent appearances back on the air and he looks fucking awful. Like he really, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's not already dead. Um, anyway, Pat, this guy. Like Weekend of Bernie's. Yeah, basically. Yeah, some voodoo doctor put something on him. Um, so Pat was a born again Christian. So he wasn't even an OG Christian. He was born again. Uh, and he was a rich kid from a prominent and politically connected family. His dad was actually a member of Congress and later a U.S. senator. So interesting. This guy came from some money. Um, he bought a small television station in Portsmouth, Virginia, and launched the Christian Broadcasting Network in 1901. Um, you know what's crazy about the 700 Club? Like, if you watch uh, Freeform or it used to be ABC Family, mm-hmm. before the 700 com- Club comes on, there's like a disclaimer. It's like uh, the views of the 700 uh, 100 Club are not necessarily reviews of ABC Family or Freeform. And uh, there was like an episode at the bottom that says, we recommend you do not watch this or something so, along those lines. You know why that is? And you're we're jumping a little ahead of where it was. But the reason that is, is that so CBN would eventually become the family channel. Right. And it was brought it was owned by um, Pat Robertson, who sold it to Fox about oh, I can't even probably more than 20 years ago for about one point nine billion dollars. He made Woo! a fucking fortune on this. Right. With a B? Yeah. With a B. With a B. Ugh. Now. What he because it's, it's access and Fox turned it from the family channel into Fox family, but he had a writer in the sale. And so no matter who owns it, they had to broadcast the 700 club. So when it went to Fox, they still had to broadcast the 700 club. Fox would eventually sell it to ABC. It became ABC family. And then they rebranded it to Freeform. But they also are legally required to run the 700 club. That's insane. Yep. Yep, this is a very smart move. I'm not sure that anybody would take that deal today, but at the time they were just consolidating and getting as many tra- channels as they possibly could. So he made a ton of money and was still able to keep the 700 Club on the air, which is on there to this day. <clears throat> and it's Hold probably on. I'm looking up the uh, disclaimer. Yeah, it's definitely the, the most widely viewed Christian programming because it's on a mainstream network and has been for. Here's one of the disclaimers from uh, Freeform for uh, the 700 Club. What you're about to see is not free form. We can't tell you what to watch, but have you tried literally anything else? Yeah, (laughs) and they could do that because their hand is forced, right? They don't don't have the choice. They have to run this programming. So it makes it a little awkward for these networks to keep this lunatic on the air. But Um, I think it's really cool that they're like telling you, like, please don't watch this. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, he's got a lot of really shitty views and he has for a long, long time. And he's also like a big time political player. Like he's one of the guys that helped get Reagan uh, elected and left them, you know, helped to lead the moral majority. And anyway, he's a lunatic. But this is before the 700 Club was a thing. He had a telethon and this is a little history of the 700 Club to get 700 viewers to pledge $10 a month to his little Christian broadcasting network. And he pitched this as a the a anti-smoking campaign. So I guess people would spend around $10 a month on their cigarettes. And he said, instead of doing that, give them to us and we'll, you know, you, you'll stop, you'll kick your habit and you'll support this church and this programming that we've got, right? And I'd rather get cancer. Well, that so that campaign, 700 people was called 700 Club. So it was previously to the television show of the same name, they called that the 700 Club. So that's where it came from. Um, 
so he had, you know, this fundraising success, but he really wasn't growing his network. He only, his programs played for three hours every day and then five hours on Sunday. So he didn't have enough shows to like make a full channel. So he's always on the lookout for content. And that's when he came across Tammy and uh, Jim's puppet show. And immediately it's a hit. Like it just, it was primarily a puppet show, but they also would like talk to kids. They had a live studio audience full of kids. They read, you know, mail from children about like what their issues were. And they like, it was just a, you know, like a kid's show. It was like Mr. Rogers, but with, you know, Tammy and Jim and a lot of Christianity. You know, not to bring this back to me. I don't, I feel like I'm constantly talking about myself, but when I was in church when I was younger, there was a separate building on the church called children's church. And all the kids would go there and go to church. And like they always had like these sing-songy little worship songs or whatever for like the first part of the service. Then the second part was a puppet show. And I can't help but think that maybe this was inspired by Jim I, Baker. I think it very much was. Whatever you say about Jim and Tammy, they were fucking trailblazers. Like not only were they really early into Christian TV, but they are so different than anything else that was on TV at the time. And I think that it's actually, as we get into it, it's going to be, that's part of the reason I think that they, they crashed so spectacularly was because they were so different. And I think it ruffled a lot of people's feathers, but they, I think a lot of stuff that you see on Christian programming today, and even in the past 30 years was because of Jim and Tammy. They are, I can't like put a better point on how, how inspirational they were in terms of like what Christian TV can be the potential to do different things and not just be this gray-haired minister preaching to a big church like they were right. like let's do something different and they did and we'll, we'll touch on that as kind of we get going but yeah i guarantee that puppet show had everything to do with jim and tammy guaranteed cool love it very cool <laughs> um, yeah. so the kids loved it there actually was a waiting list of four weeks to be able to attend the show live you know, these kids, these kids wanted to be on the show or maybe their parents wanted them to be there whatever that is um but at the same time, Jim also really honed his chops at fundraising, and this is going to be really important. So I want to read a story. Again, this is from the book PTL. Uh, it goes like this. Uh, the 1964 telethon before Baker arrived at CBN had raised only $40,000. The 1965 effort had a loftier goal of $120,000, but as the week wore on, it looked like they would fall woefully short. On what was supposed to be the last night, they were still $40,000 behind. Baker broke down and began crying on air. This is in quotes. Our entire purpose has been to serve the Lord Jesus Christ through radio and television, but we've fallen far short. We need $10,000 a month or we'll be off the air, he pleaded. $10,000 a month? Yep, yep. But listen, it gets better. Hey, everybody, we're going to be off the air if you don't give us $10,000 a month. I'm just <laughs> we need about you know 1,000 more patrons. <laughs> um, and then we'd actually patreon.com slash if you catch my 2,000 math whiz. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, listen, people, Baker continued, still sobbing. It's all over. Everything's gone. Christian television will be no more. The only Christian television station is gone unless you provide us with the money to operate with. <laughs> operate Brother, with. have you not seen Fox News? It's 1965. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch didn't even, didn't even live in the United States in 1965, um, but it was the kind of hard sell. Oh, that was a joke, Austin. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was the kind of hard sell that Robertson had always avoided, but it worked. So rather than signing off at 11 p.m. as usual, Baker stayed on the air until 2.30 in the morning as callers 
jammed the phones. Here's the best part. Some who could not get through drove to the station to hand in their donations in person. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is such a charlatan, but he's so good at it. And it's, it's really like a difference too. Like he's so over the top and blatant. And Robertson has always been a lot more subtle. If you can believe that, like he's gotten older, he's gotten a little crazier, but like he was always much more conservative than, than like going out and openly asking for money. It's like you and me, Dalton, like you're shameless, like Jim Baker. And I'm a little bit more like Pat Robertson where I, (laughs) like I stumble over plugs because I'm like, don't give me money. (laughs) (laughs) Ignore him. Do give us money at (laughs) patreon.com slash if you catch my grip. And I'm going to apologize to you now for calling you like jim baker um oh no no that you just gave me a compliment brother uh well no you're gonna take that back (laughs) promise you that um so jim and tammy their show became the most popular show on the network right so jim had an idea and it's kind of his dream and he's wanted to do this for a while so he goes to pat and says hey i want to do a christian late night talk show pat's like I don't think I want to do that. He's like, come on, I'm telling you, we'll do it. We'll let, we'll have people call into the show. You know, we'll just, this is, this is my vision. I think you could do Johnny Carson, but for Christian television. Pat eventually says, okay, all right, that's fine. And they end up calling the show the 700 Club. Ooh, that's right. So it started out late night. Yeah. Jim Baker was the first host of the 700 club he created the 700 club that's interesting i didn't know that no a lot of people didn't know that (laughs) and so at first pat was like kind of wanted to keep his distance like he was like this is not for me but then i think he saw the ratings come in and he saw that it was really popular and so according to pat robertson that when uh jim was hosting the ratings were terrible that's what he said and so he sort of injects himself because he owns the station right he injects himself as the co-host god right? damn it man i see you he's like yeah i gotta god get damn it pal i gotta get on this show <laughs> right and i don't think they worked really well as co-hosts so they came to an arrangement where jim would host three nights a week pat would host the other two uh, but according to everybody that worked on the show jim's shows were so much better so much more watched and they raised more money than when pat was hosting so well, that dude is just like a ball of charisma right, yeah, right? so he he knows like he knows yeah. how to get the people he going. was made for tv he's a tv star first and foremost it just happens that he's also a televangelist but he's like a tv guy so yeah so pat got a little jealous i think and he wanted to yeah. he wanted in on that action um eventually um uh, you know, Jim was not easy to work for. He was a micromanager. He hated listening to people that had different opinions. So he's very much in that, like, he wants to surround himself by yes men, which mm-hmm. is fine if you own your own operation. But if you're working for somebody else, doesn't really work. And so by 1972, the t- Jim and Tammy left or were ousted kind of probably a combination of both of those things you know there were a lot of people that didn't necessarily like the two of them they thought that she was a diva and that he was a micromanager and really hard to work with and that was probably true i mean both of those things right can be true and dalton dalton's a diva and a micromanager and hard to work with yeah (laughs) yeah i'm like tammy faye and jim combined baby let's go (laughs) (laughs) Um, so uh, they headed out to california and they attempted to start their own show It, it collapsed like within nine months when they heard of another guy that you know that you probably have a soft spot for uh ted turner was trying to offload a little television station in charlotte uncle north ted, carolina ted. uncle ted wc i didn't watch wcw no but you like the braves you idiot yeah but like i don't i barely remember so ted v, austin <laughs> <laughs> I god damn remember. idiot I was like, I, just, I didn't care about WCW. That meant something to me. But I'm like, you're like the biggest Braves fan I've ever met. 
Yeah, but like that was wasn't. Like, there wouldn't have been a team without him. That wasn't TBS's Braves though. I didn't watch. I wasn't like an avid baseball fan until I was like fourteen or fifteen. So and that was long Fine. after. Forget the it. We're days. moving on. I'm tired. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> and Austin was like, "I've I got this one thing that I can connect with you with." Yeah, you fucking ruined it. You, you ruined, ruined it. it. We got nothing in common. I was like, "Let's talk about Ted Turner." And you're like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> oh. God damn it. Um, <laughs> break your fucking hip. Uh, oh. <laughs> Listen, I'm 28, not 58. You ain't breaking this up, brother. I can run. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a hammer. And a, and he's going to fucking gape you is what he's going to do. Oh, God. You ever seen Goatsy? That's no, what it's going to be not, like uh-uh, when Austin nope, gets nope, old of me. No, no, no. All no, of our no, audience, never go look that. up Goatsy Do not right do this. Now. You edit that out. Edit. <laughs> no, no, no. You leave it in. All of okay. our audience, go in Buy your attic. Go to meatspin.com. No, stop it, Dalton. Look up all the stuff, man. DJ, DJ. Don't do any of that. So they go and they, they, they find this uh, station. It's a, they start filming their show called PTL, which stands for Praise the Lord. Uh, and they started recording the show in this little station. They also rented out a former, an, an old furniture store. And they started slowly renovating it and turning it into a big station with like a, you know, a big set and lots of seating so they could have a live audience and a um, whole production facility. So they, See, they, they immediately the vision, were. Man. And this is all out in California, right? No, this is, we're in Carolina now. We're in North okay, Carolina. Carolina. They moved okay. from California. They went to North Carolina to buy that radio, or that TV yeah. station from Ted Turner. And what's the what's the air uh the the date what 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 era are we looking at? So seventy three. Say so they leave uh the CBN in seventy two. They get to California right after that. So seventy three. They go to North Carolina, and in nineteen seventy four, they launch PTL. Shout out our PTL. buddy Dwayne, North Carolina. Yep. Uh, huge uh, Jim Baker fan, Dwayne. <laughs> Why are you dis- so- smirching him? So 68's when Mr. Rogers started. Um, do they have any crossover with Mr. Rogers? No, they you know thank of? God. No, 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 no. I think Mr. Rogers was a, a decent enough human to kind of realize that fundraising <laughs> preachers were probably bad news and he needed to stay away. Not just decent, he was a minister. And an amazing human. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. And, Rogers but, is like the perfect person. Oh that's why I, I was just curious. I, I, I know like that this kind of is in that same realm. So I was just curious if there was any crossover at any point. Yeah. He, Mr. Rogers is, he was, I mean, he was a public radio or public television guy. And mm-hmm. if anybody hasn't seen his plea to Congress in the, I think it was in the early 70s, he goes, and he tells Congress why the federal government should continue to fund public television. And he, I mean, it's like one of the most breathtaking speeches that I've ever seen anybody give. And he completely turns this entire congressional committee around. Like they were ready to defund it. And it just took Mr. Rogers to convince them. And they were all like, holy shit, who is this guy? Like, where did he just come from? a living saint. Yeah. I'll probably put the, I'll, I'll put the link to that if anybody wants to watch it. I highly recommend it. Um, it's it's beautiful, uh, brother. You got me an emotional thing about Mister Rogers. I know. There's, there's there's some really great things like the people that surprise you. Like I, we're gonna get off topic here a little bit, but I I want to mention this because as soon as you were talking about that, I thought about this. Like remember when 
they were going after rock music and stuff like that. And the lead singer, Twisted Sister, fucking oh, yeah. came Snyder. in and like D. Snyder just fucking rolled up and just fucking dropped truth bombs on yep. them. That was amazing. That's just all these times like they think they know better than us, and these people come in and they just fucking slap them with truth. And it's so beautiful to see it's well-spoken it's, people just fucking destroy our government. Well, on on these platforms that they fucking get up on. It's great. it's 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 always. I think it's always fun to see people defend their art, right? And, you know, say that, I mean, that was, that's their form. That's D Snyder's art is Twisted Sister and Rock and Roll. He's also a really good follow on Twitter. And I think I, 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 I did follow him for a while. Yeah. He got, I had to, to, he would argue with a lot of people. And as he much as I enjoyed that, people. I had to, I had to back off on it. Cause it just, I would want to argue too. And I get stressed <laughs> me out. He also wrote for Fangoria magazine for a little while. So he's a horror nerd as well, which I think is actually about he's, he's like one guy I'd really like to meet. Like one rock star I'd actually like to meet. He'd be yeah. really fucking cool. And like the fact that him and Adam green had like such a, a tie yeah. together too, um, is really cool. Cause Adam green is like my favorite horror movie director. And I'd love to meet him. Like, he was just you in could Cincinnati. Yeah, well, he did my favorite, uh, one of my favorite television shows, Holliston. And I would love, love, love uh, to A, see that show come back because there's been lots of talk of that happening. And then B, um, to, to meet that cast because it's literally one of my all-time favorite shows. Like it had like uh, Odor Sharangas on it. Um, D. Snyder plays their boss and he plays like this really like think he's gay but you don't know and because he's in this like cover band it's fucking hilarious it's like seriously one of the best things ever if you have shutter it's uh i believe the first two seasons are on shutter and dude it is oh it's it's my favorite thing in the world i promise (laughs) you if you love horror movies and comedy that's the show for you i fucking love it did you ever see any of the hatchet movies no oh brother Dalton, you would love Hatchet. It's yeah. smart. It's like a smart slasher. It's fucking great. Super low budget. Very like that sounds like my alley. It, it's, it's, it, it's and it's Kane Hodder playing Hatchet, who plays yes. the best Jason Voorhees. Right. So uh, I might have to give you access to my voodoo. I have all of them on my voodoo. Yeah. Okay. There's like four. Yeah, I think he only was involved with three of them, and then he produced the the most recent one, Victor Crowley. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah like, give Give me that login info. I'll check it out. i got a lot of good stuff on there that you need to watch (laughs) (laughs) so um now we're talking about biblical monsters (laughs) so the the growth of ptl was astronomical the amount of money that these guys were pulling in i mean right off the bat by january 1975 they started okay so they started the thing in november 1974 by january 1975 they were pulling in one hundred forty thousand dollars a month jesus christ Dalton, yeah. what's our Patreon again? <laughs> Patreon.com slash if you catch my gift. Yeah, I'll hit that fucking Patreon like Jim hit up his poor flock. I know it was terrible. Edit that out. I, I thought I had something <laughs> and it wasn't there. See, what you need to do is if you have an addiction, if you have a habit, if you have a stigma that's lashing itself to your body, you need to give up that addiction. You need to give up that habit. Put that pack of cigarettes down. Put that can of dip down. Put that six pack down. And whatever money you save, whatever money you get back from giving up that addiction, you need to give to us at patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. $5 a month. $5 a month is all you need. $5 a month is all you got to tide. Patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. <laughs> He landed it. You got to take, can you take that out too? And just do, that's going to be our plug. We just need to oh, run absolutely. that at the end of every episode. Absolutely. <laughs> you see, like I spent a long time in the church. No, I know. I could, that's good. I channel I was... that if I need to. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> so good. So, so fucking good. They raised a shitload of money, right? And they also started growing the, their their own staff. From 1974, they went from a half dozen employees to over 700 by the end of 1979. So they grew from six employees to 700 in four years. I mean, that's insane. Just yeah, that's the amount nuts, of growth. <laughs> Um, and they eventually branched out to numerous affiliate networks. They created their own satellite network and they set up ministries in Latin America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. So they were like worldwide. Dude, this is a very successful business. Yes, very successful. Holy um, shit. They are, at this point, they are one of the biggest names in Christian television and for a good reason. And I, I touched on this a little bit before, but really what was, they were different, right? This was so different. And, and I think their biggest thing is like, they just they wanted to entertain the christian stuff was secondary which is the complete opposite of all the other things on television which i think is very important yes very yeah. very important yeah they they look they, at they, po- po- politicians did the same thing look at obama obama yeah. was entertaining and charismatic first and then his politics came right it's it's it, it was a formula and i think it actually ruffled a lot of the other television preachers feathers because they couldn't pull off what these guys did right um they had a they also brought in a bunch of celebrities and had a bunch of celebrities on their show because it was harmless enough like it wasn't hitting people over the head with the bible it was like oh if you are any sort of christian come on and talk about your faith or just come on and have a good time and tammy's gonna sing and you know jim's gonna take some calls and they had uh they had mickey rooney they had Ronald Reagan before he was the president. Wow. Uh, the former Black Panther Eldridge Cleaver was on there. Uh, Gavin McLeod, uh, who was Captain Steubing on the Love Ship. Um, These are Cur- gifts. Colonel Sanders, the <gasps> Colonel Sanders. The 11 herbs and spices. The man, the actual Colonel was on the show. Wow. <laughs> um, Lou Ferrigno, the original Incredible Hulk. Hulk yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. Right. T was on there. Uh, I pity the fool who don't believe in Christianity. One of my favorites, Nell Carter from Give Me a Break, uh, and even Richard Simmons. And I'm going to include the clip of Richard Wait, Simmons. Wait, Kiss? Richard no, Simmons? no, the gay aerobics instructor. Oh, who am I thinking of? Gene You're Simmons. You're thinking of Gene Simmons. Fucking Richard Simmons mixed up. Oh, my god. That is a mashup I need in my life. Like, <laughs> And what? And, two, and Hail Satan. So Richard was actually supposed to be a, a guest on Tammy's show. And so then he just, but he crashes on the Tammy and Jim show and runs through the studio and is just being his like manic self. And you can tell like Jim is visibly kind of uncomfortable with this man running around screaming about how Christianity needs to get off their butts and get back into shape and all. It's just, and Jim just keeps going, I've lost the show. He just keeps saying it really low into the microphone. He's like, I've lost the show. I've lost the show. <laughs> it's something that Austin says about once or twice a recording. That's a low number. <laughs> That's what I say all the time. Trust me. <laughs> so uh, something else about them is that nothing that they ever did was scripted. They never had any, they never had any intention. They just knew who the guest was and they just went out there and they were Tammy and Jim. And that was yeah, that's that how was you get magic. magic though, right? Yeah, it is. It is. So um Reverend Mel White, who's a former ghostwriter for Jerry Falwell, described Tammy's appeal as a combination of Martha Stewart, Dr. Joyce Brothers, and Carol Burnett. And then this is what he, this is in quotes. He said, she talked about sex and flirted with Jimmy White said she took on the caricature of an obedient wife and blasted it. You've never seen Pat Robertson's wife or Jerry Falwell's wife. They stay at home doing what those wives do. 
but she was out there. It's just, it was, that's just so different that yeah. you would have your wife who's got this like fucking audacious eye makeup. She's always crying, but people just love her. Like they just really well, love her. It really just like, it flips the whole thing of what you think a Christian housewife is on its yeah. head, especially yeah. for that time. Because at that time, especially in the Pentecostal faith, the wife was at home taking care of the kids and taking care of the house. But in Jim Baker's situation, Tammy Faye was just out there and up in your face. Yeah. And that just, it took everything everybody knew about what a wife was supposed to be and yep. turned it upside down. Oh, the yeah, other, don't you know? Yeah, well, and the other thing that they did, which was really intentional is, and this was, this was Tammy's part of it. This is about the time too, like the late 70s, early 80s, where all these ministers are getting into politics, right? They're all getting on board with the conservatives and Reagan and his moral majority. And and they absolutely refused that. They were like, we're not about politics. Keep politics out of our church, out of our platform. Tammy was like, I don't want to talk about politics. And so they were very apolitical. And I think that that helped them develop an yeah. even broader appeal. Whereas you got like Falwell and Pat Robertson are like directly involved with campaigning for candidates and having the candidates on their show they they stayed away from that and so it made it a place that everybody could come and they had guests i mean they were rich richard simmons was a, a out gay man i mean he never talked about it but there's no way you could see him and not know that he was a gay man and they'd have him on the show and it's like a lot of christian programs wouldn't touch that they had they did they would let everybody on there there were people of color on these programs it was just like it was really kind of magical and at the beginning i mean it was really well, i mean that's unique. the way it should be right i, I agree. mean like come 100%. as you are yep um so yeah she's got the over the top looks um and at one point she uh noted that without her eyelashes there would be no tammy Faye. Uh, <laughs> later on she would actually have her lips and her eyebrows uh tattooed on so they were always always in the right place Ooh, she's tough. a lot of women do it you'd be surprised Tattoos yeah my hurt. grandma has her uh, eyebrows tattooed yep hmm. dalton's got an idea for a patreon pledge He's always going to look surprised because they're tattooed on his head. <laughs> uh, so now kind of the dark stuff a little bit, because um, at the very heart, this is a, a prosperity gospel ministry, right? Like we've we've covered this a bunch. We talked about Joel Osteen, um, who's kind of the modern guy that's, that's running this scam, but there's a ton of it. So um, they, <laughs> funny thing I found is that Jim, uh, much later, admitted to never actually having read the entire Bible until he was in prison, um, which is coming up when he is arrested and put in jail. So he's out there with this Christian ministry, not ever having read the entire Bible, which I think is kind of funny. It's really interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the Bible isn't like, you know... Uh, well, we won't get into this here. We won't well, get into I, this I here. I just think that that's that that also might have been part of the appeal is that he's not like again like thumping you over the head with this fucking Bible, right? Like for example, I, the Bible. Like I don't I don't think people should take it literally if you're religious because like it's just a collection of like books that people wrote. It's not like it's the guidelines. word of God. It's guidelines. Well, yeah, take Revelations for example. Revelations was one of twenty books that the uh, catholic church found that told about the end times right and revelations was just the one that they chose out of all of them like there were 20 other books that described very different end times but due to like some political leanings at the time they chose revelations because it like was based on the fall of rome and all that kind of stuff so, yeah I, I love i love that you're like i'm not going to get into it and then you just get into it <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate the context. That's part of the reason that we started the very first episode was about a televangelist because I was like, <laughs> Dalton's been through the ringer on this thing, so he'll, he'll have some interesting <laughs> things to say. I should have asked my grandma her opinion on Jim Baker while we were over there for Dalt Tales. Well, we could do it after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She definitely knows who he is. Oh, um, for sure. But, you know, with, with Jim, it's like not knowing the Bible didn't seem to matter uh, because in this, and I always say this about the, a, a lot of people, it's less about what you actually say and more about how you say it. And Jim was very good at the delivery of his. Um, he also did kind of an interesting thing where he incorporated fundraising into all the programs. While you're watching any of the shows, any of the PTL shows, you can hear the phones ringing in the background. Like, and when he says something popular, they ring more. He's got like, you can see people answering the phones. Like it's this whole thing where it's like a constant telethon, always, always raising. Like he never, never fucking stops. And he raises a lot of money. Um, Just for some context about the money in the first five months of 1978, right? 1970, this is four years after they launched, like three and a half years after they launched the first five months of 1978, the church pulled in $8 million. Jesus, that's so much money. It is so much money. So much money. And actually, at that point, everything was on the level. Um, I got a quote here. At the time, the television show was seen on 165 stations and 2,500 cable systems across the... Jim's salary that year was a modest $23,740 plus a housing allowance. Yeah, I know. Of $260 a month. Tammy earned an additional $150 a week for singing on the show and other activities. Um, an audit by big eight accounting firm of Haskins and Sells found, quote, no major, no irregularities or major bookkeeping errors. And a professor of accounting at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte gave PTL's bookkeeping practice a very clean bill of health. So they're on the oh, level. That's, that's impressive. They're on the We're level. taking in that much money. You're only taking out $23,000. Yeah. Now my favorite part. You ready? So as here's the they, grift. Well, <laughs> well, you could a, argue that the whole thing is a grift. Yeah, the whole but. thing is a grift, but it's, <laughs> but it's it's but they're not they're not lavish yet. <laughs> um, but as the the empire grew, Jim's ambitions got much bigger, and eventually he would set up a place called Heritage USA, which was a Christian theme park and resort in South Carolina. It's like Dollywood for Jesus. Yes. Jim <laughs> obsessed over heritage. The complex was built on a sprawling 2,300 acre lot. It's huge. This place is fucking massive. Like, like the righteous gemstones? Yeah, it's a lot of that. Yeah, they they pull a lot from the baker. Um, and it was built by a guy named Roe Messner. It was his company that built the park. You know, um, the irony of this theme park is if you fall off one of these roller coasters, you can actually go to heaven and meet God. Yeah, you can meet Jesus at uh, at this theme park if it's Heritage not USA. So, so Heritage, so Heritage USA opened up in 1978, and by 1986, it was boasting. Guess how many visitors a year? Twenty thousand. Six hundred thousand. Six million. Oh my god! Yep, yep. A year. They are the third most popular theme park behind Disneyland and Disney World. That is insane. Yes. Holy shit. Um, so I'm going to read some of the activities because they, they wanted all, all people from all, you know, all ages, all walks of life. They wanted everybody to attend. And so um, it, this is, again, from PTL. It says, there's something for every age group, morning and night. The upper room offered prayer, anointing, and communion services around the clock. A variety of Bible studies and seminars were offered at 9 a.m. or 9.30 a.m. on weekdays. Visitors Can you imagine could- going to Heritage, Heritage USA to go to church? Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. go to the theme park, kids. Let's go to church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but they did, and they were very successful. Uh, Six million people a year. 
That's, if you're good something. after mass, you can ride the roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> so visitors could join uh, the studio audience and watch the live production of the Jim and Tammy show at 11 o'clock on Mondays, or I'm sorry, Monday through Friday. Tammy usually had her own television show in the afternoon produced in front of a live audience, the latest version of which is called Tammy's House Party. We're going to talk about that later. Um, <laughs> the afternoon and early evening featured four or five more seminars, including the Looking Good seminar on health and personal appearances at 6 p.m. Him. and that's new... where tammy phases like hits you with a shotgun of makeup just... <laughs> <laughs> oh what the hell is that from i remember no, seeing that on a like cartoon. animaniacs or something i think <laughs> <laughs> um and then the new vine fellowship was for alcoholics and their family and they had a meeting at seven o'clock uh, camp meeting usa was produced live with the studio audience at 7 30 p.m monday through friday child care was available from 6 30 a.m to 6 30 p.m and the buses and trams that ran is so sick. More yeah. theme parks need to do that. I know. Um, the buses and the trams ran from 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. The railroad, carousel, paddle boats, bicycle rentals, antique cars, miniature golf, and tennis courts were available from midday until about sunset. Sunday morning featured Heritage Village church services in the barn auditorium, preceded by Sunday school for all ages. In, um, in the evening, there were concerts and meetings geared for teens and young adults and dinner theater for the set. Like they had, they really was well thought out. Yeah, I love on, this. On top of all that, there's a giant water park and a 501 room hotel called the Heritage Grand Hotel. Dude, that's sick. Right? Dalton's so jealous he didn't get to go there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. And, and this was all paid for by people giving them money. You know, and it cost a shitload of money to put things together. Um, it it also kind of got in between their marriage. It was uh, Tammy started to get really resentful because she was alone all the time. Yeah, because Jim Jim Baker's got the vision, right? And right. Tammy don't like it. Well, and she's <laughs> just by herself. Like she's left. You know, yeah. she doesn't have a partner. She doesn't have a husband. He's obsessed, and he's such a micromanager that he wants to make sure that he's overseeing everything, like every little detail he's involved with and so she starts to you know they start to kind of drift apart you know he's got his own thing going on she's he's not he you read between the lines she's always been very nice about him like anything she said like she's been very civil and nice right um and but but you can kind of read between the lines like he wouldn't let her be on the air when she was pregnant because he thought that nobody wanted to see a pregnant woman on the air like Ugh. little little like micro transgressions i don't even think that's micro but like no. things like that started to kind of get to her after a while um and it would lead her into the arms of another man of a sort. Um, so Jim hired this guy named Gary Paxton to help produce albums for Tammy, right? He wanted, she like Tammy recorded a bunch of albums and he brought in this producer to help, help along with that. Um, he also wrote the theme song for the Jim and Tammy show and Tammy's show. And he's a really interesting guy. This guy, Gary Paxton. Uh, at only 17, he recorded his first million selling record and married the first of his four wives around this time. Uh, she was 14. He was 17. Just to, yeah. Yeah. Um, before producing 60s novelty hits like Alley Oop, The Monster Mash. And the associations along comes Mary. This, this motherfucker guy produced made the, the monster, monster Mash? I know, right? Fucking it, was the mash. it was the mash it was the monster <laughs> mash um so after Are you got in voice acting that was really good oh thank you i really appreciate that yeah there's not a lot of money in voice acting 
so uh, after a decade of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, twice landing in mental institutions due to substance abuse, <laughs> and being shot by a hitman allegedly hired by a disgruntled singer, Paxton was born again and would soon be at the bosom of the PTL fold, writing theme songs for the PTL club and Tammy's house party until Baker blackballed him from the PTL world. So why was that? Uh, glad, I'm glad you asked that. So why was he blackballed? That was my next line. <laughs> because he was fucking Tammy Faye. Well, so the Bakers had gotten really close with Gary and his wife, Karen. In fact, from all accounts, uh, Tammy had actually fallen in love with Gary. Mm-hmm. Gary didn't realize it, but Karen did. He was like, that woman is after my husband. Uh, and Gary, well, he's a dude. He was like completely oblivious, had no idea that Tammy had feelings. What? <laughs> they, so uh, the story goes that they never actually had a sexual affair, that, that, that Tammy had kissed him once, and it was more of like a one-sided emotional affair. But it was enough that when Jim found out, he was out. Um, but Jim's also a big fucking hypocrite because he was fucking around. And this is going to go some darkish places and i'll give a spoiler warning before a spoiler alert or a trigger warning that's what it's called before we get so to stuff. before we go any further um mm-hmm. questions uh one so they, they were they were getting distance tammy faye yep. and jim and she found comfort in another man now did obviously his wife figure this out now did they split too did the wife and gary split yes as they did. well and, but also gary had a i mean gary doesn't seem like he was somebody that was easy to be in a relationship with. I don't think it had anything to do with Tammy because there was never anything physical between the two. And Gary was completely oblivious. Like he had no idea. Nothing ever came of them either after that. It was just like a sort of kind of, it was a kiss and Tammy was very much in love with this guy. You know, he was the opposite. Like he had long hair to be this rock and roll guy. And she was like, she was, you know, she's a little hot to trot for him, but he was married. Nothing ever happened. He was kind of oblivious of her advance. The wife saw, she was like, I know when someone's coming after my man, Um, but they, yeah, they didn't, they didn't, they did divorce, but I don't think, I think this might've been a small reason, but it definitely wasn't the driving because her and Gary never got together. But a guy named um, John, Wesley Fletcher, who was on the PTL club um, from the mid 70s to 1981, describes Baker as a bisexual who openly lusted after the show's young male camera operators. Interesting. Quote, this is a quote from Fletcher. I was Jim Baker's male prostitute, he said in an interview for January's Penthouse Mac. Well, well, elaborate. That he was, he and Jim were having a sexual affair. Paid to be the camera operator, but how much money? Well, I don't. They, they he never came out with that, it, and he sounds like a solid gig. Well, he's a little bit of a he's, he's his whole story is a little suspect, but I tend to believe it just based on all the other stuff around I it. I think Dalton just admitted he wanted to be Jim Baker's sugar dad, like sugar baby. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like <laughs> sex is fun, making money is fun. When you combine the two, <laughs> coming soon, Dalton's OnlyFans. Um, Dalton, Dalton getting gaped on OnlyFans. That's that's what we need. Goatsy, look up Goatsy. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> so now I'm going to put in a trigger warning now because we're going to talk a little bit about sexual assault. You could probably skip ahead by, you know, 30 seconds. So I want to get in and get out of this as quickly as I can. Um, but on Jim Baker and his camera operator. Now you're making it longer. <laughs> so on December 6, 1980, Jessica Hahn was a 21-year-old secretary who worked for the church. She met with Jim and this guy Fletcher in a hotel room to talk about a job babysitting jim's kids instead jim and fletcher drugged and raped her okay that's not good no no um jim would claim that it was a consensual uh sexual encounter but 
Roe Messner, the guy who built the Heritage USA, actually ended up paying her off uh, to the tune of $265,000. Oh, yeah. You ain't paying. You ain't paying. You ain't giving nobody hush money if you didn't do it. Yeah. So they did it through Roe's company because you couldn't do You didn't want it to go back to the church. Right. right. So don't want the paper trail. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So apparently this guy was also, in addition to sleeping with Jim, was helping Jim do dirty work and, and, and pulled off this horrible, horrible crime that um, went away for a little. But in the wake of this, Jim jettisoned Fletcher, like he cast Fletcher out of the church, which I think was probably a stupid move because that's when Fletcher went to the media years later. He's like, I don't work for that fucking guy anymore. I can say whatever I want. Um, right. Yeah. And, he, you know, he saw him as a liability. So he got him out of the church. But this wouldn't be the end of Jim's little sexual appetite. Uh, in the mid in mid nineteen eighty three, he began an affair with a uh, guy who was a groundskeeper at PTL turned producer by the name of this is a good name for a gay affair. His name was Jay Babcock, <laughs> uh, and they were in this relationship. Babcock claims for about eight years. Um, and, oh wow, that's long. Yeah, and Tammy knew none of it she didn't know about the assault three she know, years she you knew about fletcher like three years she didn't know about babcock you know jim was never home and they had multiple houses so he could you know pull these affairs off at different places i mean that just he was out there doing what he was from what i found he never had an affair with a woman but he did have multiple affairs and as the years went on more and more men kind of spoke up about jim's uh behavior hmm, that's interesting yeah. do you think that maybe that like tammy wasn't what he wanted yeah, like tammy, in a he, wanted, he wanted a boy or a guy. yeah and but <laughs> he just didn't like he knew that there would be a stigma or something that would come with him being a pastor and being an openly gay man yeah and she i mean she was pretty vocal too about not him not being around her them not having sex you know after the kids came like there was right. there was a lot of that it definitely like it, it's one of those things that there's you know i i, I lend a lot of i mean it's he said she said for most of the stuff, but I tend mm-hmm. to, I tend to believe the the people involved that Jim was up to this because there were so many pieces of it, right? right. It's just like everything adds up. There's and that leads me to the accusers. I mean, that not defending him whatsoever, but like that era uh, for gay men is like obviously like if you look up anything on it, it, it seems it's like it was a really horrible time That's to like horrible figure it out and be like what do i do with this information yeah. and like all that kind of stuff so like that's just um, it's tough it's the hypocrisy you know even though he wasn't like a hellfire and grimstone preacher you know at least he wasn't out there condemning homosexuals to hell mm-hmm. but i think right. he really was conflicted about his own feelings on this. right yeah. um and we're going to talk about tammy's view on a lot of this stuff because again i wanted to make this more about her but i would mm-hmm. be doing a really big disservice if i didn't touch on these things that jim was also because it definitely affects everything um he t- yeah tammy so tammy knew nothing but and now we're going to actually talk about some of the gay stuff that doesn't involve Jim. <laughs> Thank God. Um, that's gross to me, weirdo. Um, <laughs> a short little pervert. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've talked about that Tammy had another show called Tammy's House Party. And it was on this show that she started to deal with a bunch of taboo issues that no one at the time on television was dealing with. And they cover this in the, 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 the movie a little bit. The two big things that she talked about that everybody remembers. One, she talked about erectile dysfunction. And people are like, why are you talking about erectile dysfunction on a Christian program? But she actually brought a little model of this pump that men could use to get erect again, or Viagra, where all of a sudden, and she demonstrated, she giggled, and it was a little sophomoric, but she had a guy who suffered from erectile dysfunction talking about this device and everything. And, and like, that's did brave, TV, right? 
it, it just, yeah. And, and I think she got away with a lot of it. I think she was kind of testing her boundaries because Jim was off doing his own thing. And so he wasn't monitoring her show right. or what she was having on there. And so she's like, fuck it, let's go. Let's do some things that I wouldn't do. Um, the most controversial though, more than that, and for me, the most meaningful moment from her show, and they put this in the movie as well, helped, happened in November 1985 when she interviewed a gay minister named Steve Peters about his struggle with AIDS. And mm. I want to play a little bit of that for you guys, because it is a really emotional clip. Um, so just get ready. That a little bit. Okay. You know, uh, I, I know I feel lonely sometimes because with people not being well informed on AIDS, Everyone is so terribly frightened of it, you know, and uh, and so therefore they're frightened of anyone who has it. Have you found this to be true that people want to stay away and they don't? They're afraid to come up to you and they're and and they're afraid to be anywhere in, in the same room or breathe the same air you breathe. Yes, Tammy, that happens, and uh, there there is. I was asked not to use the bathroom in one person's home. Uh, I remember going to a party once where every time I finished my soft drink. Uh, the host took the glass into the, into the open kitchen, one of these California kitchens, uh -huh. you know, and steamed clean, steam cleaned it every single time. I've been served on paper plates a lot uh, in the last year and a half. And yes, people are scared sometimes. They don't know how to deal with terminal illness. Uh -huh. They don't know how to deal with something as stigmatized as AIDS. Uh -huh. But I also have to say, Tammy, that there have been an enormous number of people in the gay and lesbian community as well as at the AIDS Project and at MCC who have gathered around me and really cared for me. They have been present because my quality of life has been at stake. So there are people who are breaking through that fear, mm -hmm. who are not letting the fear get in the way of ministry. You know, I just, I just saw a program. My husband and I, Jim, sat the other night and watched a program uh, and it was so touching about a young man who had AIDS and went home to tell his mom and dad about it and, and the hurt and, the, and everything that happened in the family, which I'm sure, you know, you were very well aware of. Yes. And, and when asked what was the saddest thing in his life about the fact that he had AIDS, you know, his own parents were afraid to touch him. His own sister was afraid to touch him. And he said, to think that I might never again have a hug, you know, and how sad that we as Christians who are to be the salt of the earth, and we are th we who are supposed to be able to love everyone, are afraid so badly of an AIDS patient that we will not go up and put our arm around them and tell them that we care. Yes, I know it is tragic, and that's the tragedy well, Steve, of the situation. I just AIDS. want to tell you something. What's that, Tammy? If there would have been any way, you know, I know you were sick, and that's the only reason we didn't have you come and sit in the studio next to us today, because you have your chemotherapy treatments. And you needed to get home quickly so you wouldn't miss them. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of Christians here who love you and who wouldn't be afraid to put their arm around you and tell you that we love you and that we care. Thank you, Tammy. Yeah. So that was like in the 70s? 85. That's, that's wild. She seems like such an empathy. She, she seems like such an empathetic person. She is so empathetic and she wears her feelings on her sleeve. And that was just, that was crazy, crazy. Um, and, and just such a moment, but you're seeing this on a Christian program and nowhere else, right? right? Like this is 1985 is four years after the outbreak of AIDS in the United States. And it was only two months before that, that Reagan finally acknowledged that AIDS was a disease and a priority. for. Them. So here's my that question. That only happened because his best friend... Hudson. 
Yeah. Yes. Got who it. died who died a month after this was it. So I mean, this yeah. is like super early on that she had a gay minister come on her show and talk about having ace. And it's just yeah, man, like, Tammy rules. Tammy, Tammy fucking rules. rules. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's really cool. Uh, Unfortunately, there was a little bit of smoke and mirrors to this. And it turns out that Tammy really wanted him to be there in person. He had been sick. Um, but the crew, the PTL crew didn't want him in the studio. So they ended up doing that satellite up. So it wasn't just Mm. because of his illness. It was because of the homophobia of the, the crew that was there in the building. Right. The camera operators and producers. Um, but there's no fucking way any other Christian program would come close. Honestly, even in 2022, can you see Joel Osteen doing a... a, a Fuck no. I mean, no. Even today, it's as, as horrible as that is. It's just like that she's doing things that other people aren't doing. And she has been a consistent and loud ally to the LGBTQ community at every moment of her life. I really think it's truly. just in 2022 a lot of religion is is politicized and she's not right and i mean there's if you really look at a lot of this stuff like there there you hear the feel-good stories uh, of when it's not but it's so often is that it's it's sad that the 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 stories of when it's not is when it's actually you know a big deal because it shouldn't be a big deal it should be everywhere it shouldn't be yeah. like that's frustrating it's frustrating and and you know i'm gonna put the i'll put the youtube link for the entire interview it's like 25 minutes it's worth watching she i will say she will I, by today's standard she asked some pretty cringy questions you know where she's like oh have you ever yeah. been with a woman and kind of implies that maybe you found the right woman and i i don't you could get on her for that i think there's a, a product of the time there's not a lot yeah of i'm about to she's say probably, he has to keep in mind this is in the 80s but i also part of me thinks and i, and I don't have any reason for this other than just my instinct i think that part of it is she's doing it for her audience you know like if she kind of knows the answer to these questions she's just checking them off because she's got an audience that's probably never been exposed to a gay person or doesn't know right. personally doesn't know anything about what's going on with aids other than the horrible things you're reading in the newspaper and so i i wonder if some of the questions that she asks her to get those questions out of the way for her audience so that she can have this but anyway it's worth watching it's very sweet they have a nice it's a nice conversation and it's just really radical and it's a big part of the the, the recent movie to the point that steve peters is actually still alive oh really and i was Jeff gonna said, ask about that but i didn't want to get yeah. upset so. no steve peters is still alive and big props to jessica chastain she invited him and his partner as her guest to the oscar when she won the academy award for playing tammy faye oh, oh yeah so on a personal level like um growing up uh in the 90s like obviously that was still a big era of like it being a taboo thing and um my father was like you know obviously adamantly against anything like that my mom worked with somebody that was gay brought him around and my dad ended up really liking the guy they got along great i got along with him like it really changed that stigma um and then like years later uh when my mom um was in a um like it wasn't assisted living, but it's like a place for people that are on like disability and stuff like that, that like they have their own apartments and stuff. Her best friend there, uh, his name is Jeff, um, was a gay man with AIDS and he's he's still alive. I, I literally see him still once a week. He's still one of my best friends. I love him to death. And he, um, really helped me with like learning about like, you know, HIV and all that kind of stuff. And like, that stigma and like breaking that stigma because he's the sweetest person and like i hug and kiss him when i see him and i don't have any fear of that and it's like 
until you see somebody with it and fully understand like i don't think you fully get that and i feel like it's one of those things like even back then that's crazy she was doing that she's such a trailblazer for that like that's so yeah. wild but like it, it it is like even like maybe not in in certain places but like here that's like still like a, a thing where like maybe it's sort of taboo but like i've never felt that way because i just i'm open to things like i'm open to you were those. inoculated that's what it yeah. is and that's and then they said that that's something that you know the gay marriage drive was actually the the you know the, the push for that and to change people's minds and really win over and you see most polls are pretty heavily in favor of you know legalized gay marriage right it's not an issue right now but it, and it was because there were like gay people went out and talked to people you know talked to people and changed their minds and said hey you may have never met a gay person in your life you probably know one to be honest they're just not right. telling you right. but you know when you're inoculated to people who are different it, it changes your opinion because you're like, oh, they're just like anybody else, right? Just like me. What does inoculated mean? It means you're exposed to a disease in order to prevent it. It's like vaccine, gotcha. right? Okay. You give them a little bit of what's going on. You, you expose them to the virus, but in a small dose, and then their body can fight it off. So if you're not- gotcha. Okay. Uh, so it, this this um, interview really, I think I think a lot of their rivals suddenly like took note and I think that it the sort of the, some of the snakes started coming out of the grass when they were like, "Oh, look at that! There's an AIDS patient on a Christian network. There's a gay man on a Christian network." We're just, God somebody's forbid gonna, we platform somebody that's sick. Like, yep. <laughs> God yep. forbid. So this is, I think, this is eventually what would take down PTL. This is kind of the start of it of what's going. Not directly, like there's not a straight line to it, but there's definitely a dotted line to this. Sammy's out there actually doing the Lord's work, and Christians are like, "Nope, can't yep. have that." Yep, <laughs> we don't like that. We don't like that. How dare you be too Christian? More Christian than me. Um, That's so fucking frustrating. I know it is. It's so much. It's so terrible. But you like Tammy, and that's really the point of this episode. Is yeah. for you to love her, uh, and it gets it's better. It gets we're kind of on a wild ride, so a lot's going to happen in a very short amount of time. And I'm try I tried really hard. I had to go through and rewrite this a bunch to sure that it made sense. So stop me and ask questions if it doesn't, or if I start to lose because this is this is like the explosion happens so fucking fast. It's like it kind of knocks the breath out. Of um, so the Baker's lifestyle over the years, you know, I read you and know, I said they were they they had all these good financial practices that starts to slip away and pretty quickly that 1978 they really start to um live this very opulent lifestyle right they bought like, oh, we got everybody fooled we yeah. can we can start to be lavish they're that. they're very new money like they're just out of like just buying ridiculous outrageous things and and bringing a lot of attention to themselves and their spending and this is really when they kind of get deep into the grifting um, you they, want to ride in a Rolls Royce, baby? Which one? I got three. Oh, yeah. No, they had multiple Mercedes. <laughs> they had multiple Rolls Royces, mini houses, private jets. Uh, they even oh, had man. a, uh, Tammy had a gold toilet. Um, oh, you're begging for attention at this point. I know. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's a lot of it. Um, now, it was all at the church's expense. So they were making decent salaries, but everything in their life was funded directly. By so it's Jesus a little like, needs a jet. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, ask Kenneth Copeland. He'll tell you the same thing. Uh, fucking monster. Anyway, <laughs> so Tammy maintains, this is kind of her line, that they never asked for any of the money, but that the PTL board of directors doled out everything. And technically, that's true. But you have to realize that the board at PTL was very loyal to Jim and, Tammy, and they were handpicked. And so they would always give them bonuses without surrounding them themselves by yes, men. Yes, exactly. But 
the same time, the members of the board were also like taking as much fucking money out of this operation. So they were like, right. they're like, Jim, Tammy, we gave you this bonus. We also gave ourselves a bonus. It's okay. <laughs> it's not as big as yours. Like there was a, there was an assistant and she was like a, a, a secretary there who got one year, a, a bonus of $200,000, just like, Good God. I mean, like serious money that's been flowing around. And I think everything just kind of got out of control. Um, and it, it, you know, it just, it, it, went crazy very quick. Um, Tammy would develop a uh, prescription pill addiction around this time, really hit her hard. She was, you know, she was in a really bad place. Uh, Jim was never around again. So she, you know, people that worked for PTL were looking after her. She ultimately went into um, a treatment facility in 1987 uh, on the air. Jim just said that she was very ill. He never mentioned the addiction. Jim's kind of the shithead in this. I think Tammy would have been very open and has been very open about this afterwards. You know, what, was she, what was she addicted to? Uh, pills. I think it was Vicodin mostly. Okay. This is the 80s. There wasn't you know, Oxycontin. Or I hate to bring pills. this back to my church experience, but like we had a similar thing in my church where uh, the minister's wife got addicted to pain pills after she had an operation yep. and uh, they kicked them out of the church. They oh. kicked both uh, Preacher Holland and Ms. McLeod out for... Uh, because she was very visibly like under the influence turned services yeah and would like get into the holy spirit start speaking in tongues and stuff and like it was very obvious like she was fucked up like she was stumbling around drooling during prayer like it was bad well jim, jim and, did... but to my grandparents you know to their defense whenever they kicked them out of the church my grandparents followed them to their to their new church where uh you know they Whenever they donated to the church, they donated to Miss Laquita's rehab facility. That's awesome. So they got they got her in rehab and got her treatment. But the shit was tight. It was yeah. it was cool to see because like whenever they got kicked out of the church, the house that they stayed in was church property. It was directly behind the church. So when they kicked uh brother and Miss Laquita out of the church, they kicked them out of their house. Right. And my grandparents actually took them in. And whenever I gave you guys the tour of my grandma's house uh, the other day when I was there like looking for food. Uh, my room, I was already moved out at this time. My bedroom that I showed you, that's where Brother Holland and Mr. Laquita slept. They oh, went to nice. my grandparents' house. My grandparents kept them, you know, kept a, kept a roof over their head for about three months until they got a new place. That's really sweet. Yeah. Living saints, my grandparents. <laughs> I missed out on the house tour. Thanks, Dalton. No, it was a video that he put in the a group chat. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I must not have watched it. It wasn't live. Sometimes I don't watch everything Dalton puts in there. <laughs> not to be mean i just i i don't sometimes like i also have our group chat muted because sometimes you'll like post 40 times in a row and like i'll be at work and i can't have my phone going off while i'm like trying to t do stuff like, i can't distract. well to be fair i text the way that like i speak like i just oh, I know. Trust me, you know. <laughs> um all right so you got all this stuff going on it's a crazy time now we're gonna talk about a dude you guys might have heard of jimmy swaggart before i've heard of jack Sounds swagger familiar no, we the people jimmy is a very very famous <laughs> television minister uh televangelist he's pentecostal he's based out of baton rouge uh, louisiana so my home state is finally playing, playing, finally playing a role in this it's not just about florida um so he fuck catches wind <laughs> fuck Swagger catches wind of a local Charlotte reporter who is digging up this Jessica Hahn story from 1980. You remember her was the one that was paid all the, the hush money. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a reporter working on the story. Jimmy Swagger's like, what do we got here? Can we do you think we could take Jim Baker down uh, and get him out of the out of the picture? So what Swagger does is he gets together um, 
a bunch of other TV preachers. It's kind of like a like a villain's row of uh, what do they call it? A rogues gallery. Yeah, of yeah TV yeah. preachers. So he gets together with Oral Roberts, Jerry Falwell, and Pat Robinson, and they're fucking like, pieces of shit. Like like, <laughs> like a murderer's row of the yeah, worst people. <laughs> exactly. It's like Voltron. They all assemble <laughs> into this giant monster. Um, so the, what I thought was funny, and I didn't know this until I was doing research this time, they call this incident in the media, they call it, you know how we do gate at the end of all the controversies, you know, yeah, like here's Pizzagate, yeah. Pizza gate, bridge gate. They called this one pearly, which I thought is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. But I want to talk about like the money because right, this is all about money. And and if you right. if you, if you pretend it's anything else, like they're doing the right and decent thing by exposing Jim for his hypocrisy, you're out of your mind. You're losing the plot. It's all about the money, and he's got yeah. a big chunk of the pie, and they want to take it and they want to split it amongst themselves and and just bleed PTL for whatever they just. If to there's give you anything like, Jesus loves, it's vindictive backstabbing yep. bullshit. Yep. Um. So PTL. Well, bunch of Judas. Well, bunch of Judas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There so are PTL. Judas my mind at least so 1986 ptl is pulling in around 129 million dollars a year i mean from heritage usa from all their functions i mean this is a a huge church 129 million dollars that's that's a significant chunk of money um jerry falwell uh was bringing in around uh, about 84 million dollars a year Jimmy Swaggart was pulling in around $142 million a year. And this is a big business. Uh, Pat Robertson was bringing in around $183 million. A year. And Oral Roberts was pulling in about $120 million a year. So these guys got Oof. together and they see $129 million that, that PTL is bringing in. They're thinking, well, that, that could devise nicely. You know, like we'd all walk away with like $20 million if, if people spread out evenly. And they pretend again, like they're doing the, the Lord's work, but it's, um, Hey Dalton, what's our Patreon again? <laughs> um, if you want to take down all these, uh, podcasts that are out here, just splitting, spitting out vile, putrid information, the, uh, we could take them down. Just donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash if you catch my grift pod van dam, IWTV guide. We're coming for you. <laughs> home office home office and they're sweating <laughs> so <laughs> smooth as butter productions better watch out <laughs> yeah, infighting on his podcasts um so what these guys didn't realize like they, they got this like super group together what they didn't realize was that one of their own was going to take matters into his own and subvert the group for his own gain uh that piece i of love shit. it i yeah. fucking love it <laughs> that who's piece this piece of shit, shit? tell us it's none other than jerry falwell oh <laughs> the man who lost his virginity to his mother in an outhouse that's exactly what i was going to talk about yeah woo excuse me okay here's this the, the dalton does another story i love dalton's it. never seen that film well so falwell is a stain on humankind and i do not like him i think he's one of the absolute worst human beings that's ever been on this planet uh but he is while well, he's best known as the leader of the moral majority which helped sweep reagan into power in 1988 two years after all of the stuff that we're talking about so we're jumping into the future a little bit uh the supreme court heard the case of hustler magazine versus falwell uh a free it was a case about free speech old larry flint had run a the guy publisher of hustler magazine had run a satirical interview in hustler when falwell admitted that the first time he'd had sex was with his mother in the family outhouse motherfucker yeah. exactly 100 percent, motherfucker <laughs> so falwell got mad and he sued and he lost and he appealed and he lost and he appealed it. 
<laughs> and then he appealed to the Supreme Court, and in an eight to zero verdict, he lost again. So Larry Flint beat his brains out in court and had the whole world believing that Falwell fucked his mom in an outhouse. Ah, uh, beat his brains out just like I beat my meat to Hustler magazine. Hey Joe <laughs> Falwell. Hey Jerry Falwell. Ah, this is Danhausen. Up yours. Up yours. <laughs> Up yours. <laughs> so he's in hell now and we're we've lost control i know you know i'm like worried here we go now um, we have we have houses speak on our podcast what happened <laughs> it was inevitable so so falwell decides he's gonna just go and make a move before the rest of the people are ready to make a move jim learns about this reporter who's been snooping around and knows about the jessica Hahn story so he decides he needs to tell tammy Right. So he tells her and they decide together that they're going to step away from the ministry until this whole thing blows over. Right. Cause this story is going to go live. And if they are not associated with the church, maybe they can come back after it, it goes over. Right. Um, Jim makes a really dumb move here. And Tammy was very much against. She said, absolutely do not trust this man. Do not do this. But Jim puts Jerry Falwell in charge of PTL while they're away. So, mm. he, so he turns over PTL's reins and Jerry is now in charge of PTL. That's a bad move. Little do they know, they will never be involved with PTL again. This was a critical mistake, and it is the end of PTL as far as Jim Baker and Tim Fay are concerned. Um, they, Jim gets in. I mean, I'm sorry. Jerry gets in and um, just takes over. Uh, the, the, the Jessica Hahn story breaks, and Jerry Falwell just goes to work. So he puts together a press conference where he aired all of Jim Baker's dirty laundry. And this is from the Washington Post. This is how Falwell just took took him down. Like this is the sniper shot that just killed PTA. The Reverend Jerry Falwell yesterday detailed further charges of sexual and financial misconduct by defrocked evangelist Jim Baker, contending that Baker may be emotionally ill, in quotes, and that he has yet to show and, and in quotes, an ounce of repentance for the actions that led to his downfall. Falwell's comments came shortly after outside auditors told PTL board members that Baker and his wife, Tammy Faye, had collected $1.9 million in salaries and bonuses in 1986, about $300,000 more than had been previously discussed. Falwell also charged that the 47-year-old Baker had homosexual problems dating back to 1956 when he was a teenager. In addition, he said that Baker last month made private severance demands from PTL that included a guaranteed lifetime salary of $300,000. And in quotes, I don't see any repentance here, Falwell said. I see the greed, the self-centeredness, and the avarice that brought them down. So he, the, the, the scandal broke. Falwell's like, here we go. I'm going to, I'm just going to nail the coffin. So he wanted to absorb PTL into his own network. You know, he's got like Liberty university. He's got a bunch of other, right. but he, he didn't really know what he had. He convinced the entire board to resign and he is just, he, he doesn't know what he's walking into. Well, it's like when a company buys another company and they strip away everything that made them yeah, successful. Exactly. Exactly. But this is a little different and I'm going to read this. Um, so this is from time magazine. It says all these ups and downs stem directly from accounts of the mismanagement, which reached epic heights or perhaps depths at PTL from a jury rig studio, which began broadcasting in 1974 from an old furniture store in Charlotte, Jim and Tammy Baker had nurtured a Christian entertainment colossus, but the mountains of documents at PTL show that the ministry ran almost literally on a wing and a prayer. At one time, the ministry spent employee retirement funds to pay operating. Jesus. 
Yeah, PTL had no reliable internal audits, no checks and balances for financial accountability, and often no receipts or other devices for keeping track of incoming and outgoing cash. In the final months of the Baker era, PTL was taking in $4.2 million a month and spending seven point. Oh, so that was a sinking ship regardless. Yep. yep. And Falwell's like, ha, 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 I got all the money. And then he gets in there and he's like, oh, fuck. We're <laughs> in some serious trouble. You know what? Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he knew right away. He was like, oh, man, I got to cover my ass because I'm going to get swallowed into this thing. So he brings in, he, he brings in a bunch of... Uh, accountants from arthur anderson who were also involved in enron funny enough uh to look at the books and I, you know we talk about the operating expenses of i really think jim from everything i've read jim got in way over his like he just he had lost control of this organization and just kept wanting to do more and more and you know improve heritage and just was out couldn't fundraise through his vision you know, like he couldn't bring in right. enough. And so, you know, he was like paying off uh, other things. Like he had to keep inventing the financial tools for people to do. So he's got heritage. And then once that's built, he's got to promise him something else. But meanwhile, that money is paying off heritage still. And he's got to build that. And he's got to build some. And it's just, it just really snowballs with him. Not that that's an excuse. He should have been better about that kind of thing. But I really, that's, that's the sense. Like, um, interesting. One of the people he owed the most money to was this guy named Ro Mesner. He keeps coming up. You remember him? He's the one that fi- financed the payout to Jessica Hahn. He's yeah, 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 yeah. USA. He just kind of keeps popping up. He's and, and he's gonna keep popping up. It seems like a real shady character, this guy. <laughs> a little bit. Well, you're gonna be surprised <laughs> where this goes. Um, even though Jim wasn't the only one making a ton of money, he was the only person that ended up being charged with a crime. So Falwell tipped off the feds. They got involved and they started looking at the books. Um, Jim got was convicted on 24 counts of fraud and conceit. This is from the New York. Said the tumultuous six-week trial hinged on the government's contention that Mr. Baker bilked followers of his PTL ministry out of $158 million by offering promises of lifetime vacations he could not provide and that he diverted about $3.7 million to support an opulent lifestyle that ranged from oddities like an air-conditioned doghouse to luxuries like a fleet of Mercedes and Rolls Royce. That dog deserved it. so ptl was done uh baker took the fall i I don't know if what he was charged with actually lined up with his crimes but with something like this and the amount of media attention somebody was to go down right tammy wasn't in charge wasn't charged with anything no one else at ptl was charged with anything it was just jim he had a big old target painted on his um well when you're the face of the company then yeah you know and you're the primary fundraiser that's what Mm -hmm. happens so ptl was done for heritage usda shut down um, but the media was not done with the Bakers, and they were fucking relentless, for, especially with Tammy Faye. They made fun of her makeup. She always cried. She was, they had like they made fun of her on SNL. She was like the butt of tons of jokes on late night television. It was like devastating. Um, and she just she really got dragged through it to the point where she would later admit that she just had to stop watching television because she couldn't get away from it. That's so sad. I mean, she wasn't charged with anything. She just became this this joke because she looks like a drag queen. And everybody was like, ha that's really funny. Look at this woman who doesn't know how to put on her makeup. Um, and it was just really unnecessarily cruel and, and really unfortunate. And yeah, she just, it just, it was bad. And um, Jim, meanwhile, was sentenced to 45 years in prison which is way overkill I think, yeah. for, for what he did. Especially yeah, there's a murderers and rapists that get less than that. I know. And, and considering like w- I, grifters that we've covered and how right. little they usually get, this was, they, they were out for it. Um, but she stood by his side and she said, I still love my husband, regardless of everything that's come out about him. I'm going to stand by his side. 
Um, and I, I think that there's a weird thing about couples, especially powerful couples where, you know, staying together, regardless of what happens is more important than anything else. Like I think of like Bill and Hillary Clinton, how they stayed together because there's, there's like power as a unit that there wouldn't be if right. they were divorced. I, like Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, like there's the rumors of that affair that Jay-Z had, but they still stick together because there's Beyonce made a whole that. album. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it didn't, uh, unlike them though, Tammy came to her senses and divorced Jim while he was still in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened with the kids like in all this are so we in the, touch on that yeah the kids are i mean the kids are they are with tammy like they've always kind of been with tammy tammy's really been their sole caretaker through most of this because jim's always been busy um they are today i can give you an update about them today uh jamie their son who goes by jay is also a preacher but a very progressive preacher he is um he has he's set up churches in a few different states kind of keeps moving i think he's in he's based out of either Washington state or Oregon today. Um, but he's a very pro LGBTQ come as you are. I got tattoos and piercings. He's like a progressive preacher. Okay. Tammy Sue is on her dad's show to this day. She does the introduction. So it's interesting that she sort of sided with Jim and, and Jay seems to have sided with his mom. Uh, and, and really, they really split in their kind of ideology, but we'll get to kind Mama's of okay. boy and a daddy. It's exactly what's, um, so Tammy divorces Jim and she soon remarries. And the guy that she remarries is Roe Mesner. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. This guy, I told you he'd come back up again. And she dropped Baker. She was no longer Tammy Faye Baker. Tammy Faye Mesner going forward. So she is like, this guy, he's been working with my husband, but I trust him. He's in real estate and construction. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, he, he actually went to jail for bankruptcy fraud. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and what, was, what year was this? Uh, when he went to jail or when they got married? When they got married. I, well, he, she divorced Jim in 92. Okay. And I think they got married in 93. I didn't write that. I'm just trying to timeline us where we're at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no it's fine. Yeah, so it's the 90s. And, you know, Jim eventually gets out. I think he gets out of jail after four years. So he's out in 94. Four um, years in a 45-year sentence? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think some judges white look at privilege, the, man. Yeah, seriously. Um, so the 90s saw a resurgence in Tammy's career. And this is from the New York Times again. Uh, she did some acting in the 90s, poking fun at her own image. On the sitcom Roseanne, she played a makeup expert at a spa, which I think is very funny. Okay, okay. She was also, and I remember this, she was also on the Drew Carey show. I don't know if you remember, probably Charlie. And she played Mimi Bobak's mom. Oh, no shit. Oh, that, I was going to say, Mimi Bobek's makeup reminds me exactly. of her a lot. That's exactly. Right. So she came on the show and she was Mimi Bobek's mom. That's um, fucking perfect. She was also on RuPaul's original VH1 talk show before Drag Race. RuPaul had a late night talk show on VH1. And I think that's where they became friends. And RuPaul wanted to produce uh, the original Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, but they, it was very, it was a very fun um, little segment. She talked about how she loved shopping, but she never hate, she hated spending money which is something that she's actually contended to all the time. Like she's always said, everybody accuses me, but everything I have is a knockoff. Like I just, I don't like spending money. I just love shopping. And so, you know, she went on RuPaul and she's like, well, this I found, this was $60. And then she like priced everything out. And Ru is like, you gotta be kidding me. You look fabulous. And she's like, well, that's just what I do. That's I can look good on, <laughs> on, a, on a budget. Um, she had another talk show, uh, called the Jim J and Tammy Faye show, uh, with this guy named Jim J Bullock, who was just sort of a weird nineties celebrity. He was a gay man. And they, they were, uh, had a VH1 show together for a few months. She unfortunately left after a colon cancer diagnosis and she left the show. Mm. Um, and after, you know, she, after treatment, she went on Roseanne's talk show. Roseanne had a daytime talk show for a little while. 
and revealed that she'd had 14 inches of her colon removed. Pretty significant. Um, Roseanne asked what was harder, cancer or facing media scrutiny? She responded instantly that the media scrutiny was so much harder on her than having her, just to kind of give you an idea what that shit was like with her. Um, She still had one more act left in her in 2004. She appeared on the second season of VH1's The Surreal Life. (gasps) Oh, I remember this. I remember this. She was on on the season with Vanilla Ice, Eric Estrada, and convicted rapist Ron Jeremy. uh, And she had no idea who he was. (laughs) (laughs) I faintly Um, remember that now, yeah. Yeah, she was on there. She didn't know if, I think Flava Flav had an appearance on it. That would lead to. Yeah, Flavor Flavor's on the show, yeah um yeah so she yeah, him and bridget uh was it bridget nielsen nielsen yeah yeah he was in love with her that whole thing yeah <laughs> and then they got their own spinoff yep god man early the 2000s reality fucking reality fucking, shows yeah. yep that were great it was a good time and then everything yeah. was shit uh, to, uh, to this day i love trashy reality television i love it i yeah. love it this oh. was this stuff was good i like this um she gave one last interview to larry king just two days before she died um and she died on july 18th 2000 the cancer oh. returned and it, it spread to her lungs and um th- and despite barely resembling her former self she looks awful i mean just it's i don't recommend watching it because it's really heartbreaking just how much the cancer had wrapped um but she was still very confident still full of her faith and was very brave and did this full interview um and she was only 65 when she died jim however is still alive by some fucking miracle although he did just have a stroke you know there is hope Um, pimping out a whole bunch of bullshit (laughs) yeah so he is a complete shadow of his former self he got released again like i said after serving four of his 45 year sentence and now hawks food buckets on a shitty television station with his daughter and his second wife um while i think my personal opinion is that he blames his fall on being in prison I think it's because he doesn't learn personally. Yeah. I think she made that man who he was and made him so. And I think in a very ironic twist, in 1990, there was a TV movie called Fall from Grace that was about Jim and Tammy. And I, this is my favorite twist. The guy who played Jim, just take a guess. Ro. No, not Ro. Uh, Ro was a construction worker. He's not an actor. Oh, I, I was thinking, you know, he's just popping back up. That's I was true. Like, no. Maybe this, this could be like the twist. That this guy's be- a serial sleazebag too, who was recently, uh, quote, canceled. Uh, uh, Jared Leto? No. Uh, uh, James Franco? It's 1990. They were still probably in person. Oh, I don't know any 90s celebrities. Don't, don't say, don't say. I'm, I'm trying, I, can't, I can picture him, but I can't think of his name. Uh, Kevin Spacey. Yes, Kevin yes! Spacey. Yes! <laughs> is that the House of Cards guy? Yes. yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know who that is. So he played, uh, he played Jim Baker in the show. <laughs> um, and then, It's okay uh, that I fuck little boys. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane just an insane rationale to have yep and that is that's my While story he is an insane piece of shit i still think american beauty is one of the like my favorite films he's of all a talented time. actor and you yeah. can be a talented actor and a piece of shit yeah look true. at speaking of jared leto <laughs> I you're gonna see me and that's my story that's tammy faye i love I think, tammy faye that man. was the quickest two and a half hours we've ever done and oh yeah dude so oh, entertaining i think um, we're back i feel like we had a couple of weird shows and now we're back on track <laughs> Uh, it's unfortunate uh, i didn't like that uh the ending of the story was that tammy passed away uh, from do. cancer that sucks uh my mom passed away from cancer so that that hurts um 
but yeah, this was this was a good story. I, I like this one. This was she, a lot of fun. She left. A, I mean, this is the thing. This is she's she's absolutely is a gay icon, and I think that she's it's, she's one of those ones that if you're not a gay person and don't have the context for the story, you probably don't know about her other than mm-hmm. the ridiculous makeup. And you probably go, Oh, well, she looks like a drag queen. That's why gay men like her. And it's like, mm, that's a lot deeper than that. We're, yeah. you know, right. we're pretty shallow, but not that shallow. <laughs> like, like, so it's, it's funny. It's one of those things. It's like, it comes in their handbook when we come out, like here's here, here are the people that you need to just automatically stand. And if you don't get that handbook, you just don't get it. And so now I'm explaining the story and her story. And I mean, sure. She had a part in fundraising for the church, but I really don't believe that there was any malice ever, you know, as far as right. I can't say the same thing about fucked up right. yeah. kick rocks, but yeah, that's Tammy. Dude, is this our first official good graft episode? I think official like starting from a good place i this yeah. is the first one i've written anyway oh yeah okay first official good grift we did it took we 31 did it. episodes when we were it here us, it only took us a year <laughs> well i mean uh what's her face the the pretend psychic i mean she was sort of good until the end oh cleo uh, like, yeah, yeah no not cleo uh, uh the one that like would that helped the cops oh dorothy allison yeah, oh, yeah. that one i felt like was a really good feel good one until like <laughs> until halfway through and it ruined it <laughs> yeah that was like the but that was the first like feel good one for a hot minute and then it yeah, like no. it did dissolve but it was yeah, every, this one was all the way through i feel like yeah i i be, i'm a big fan of her i think that's that's and i, I appreciate that she's getting a, a bit of a resurgence um, even though like i said i i i have a few things to say but it's also because i am such a big fan you know it's like you right. can't that that's where that comes from it's not you can't be a fan and not criticize yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fan culture right you never you're never gonna it's not her so it's never gonna be her because she's dead but uh you know so it's really hard to see somebody else in that larger than life role but Chastain did a good job i mean we had a lot of that in the last couple of years i mean with the uh the um freddie mercury biopic right. and um the, the the one i thought i would like that was uh came out not long after that that i ended up like not paying attention to halfway through elton was the elton john one i really wanted to like that one and i thought the guy who played him did a great job but it just the way that they fit stuff together just did not click for me here's the thing you should never make a biopic about somebody who's still alive that's kind of my rule like because if they're if they're famous enough to have a biopic they're going to have some sort of say in the production because that's i think that that's a mistake you got to give time plus people the leg the legacy you leave behind changes so much over the over history you know like if you do you make a movie immediately about or about someone who immediately died very quickly you know that's my going crazy like if if someone dies and they make a movie about that person you don't have history as a right you don't mm-hmm. you don't see the full context because you're still sort of that person's life and and i know largely biopics are are fuzzy warm you know puff people but i just i don't know i think you got to get some history and, and put in this because i think that there are a lot of good movies about shitty people that when they were made they didn't have the full story <laughs> later yeah. on it's like oh okay so somebody do everybody a favor courtney love so we can get a good kurt cobain biopic <laughs> oh story. my god charlie <laughs> she had him killed god damn it i'll go to my grave fucking saying that she had a hand in his fucking death oh, he was no. not depressed when he fucking died that's oh, bullshit no. oh no charlie we um, found the pill that charlie choked on we have uh, friends uh, uh charlie edit that out <laughs> i will i will but Just still god it. damn it give me a bleep Just give me a bleep we have podcast friends uh, <laughs> <laughs> i see what you did there 
<laughs> uh, we have friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, my WTV guide, Sweet Stuff and Bitter Things, Jack Saver Pod. Hit my hit hit the mu- hit the music. Add odds to the wrestling. Um, it's, but more importantly, subscribe to our Patreon. You know, we're putting out a good a lot of good content. We're putting in some work here. We got the ideas flowing. Speaking of buckets, you'll figure that out later. <laughs> uh, check us out at patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. You can find uh, cool bonus content like Dalt Tales. We have stickers coming soon. Yeah, shout uh, out to JCP Designs who helped with the Dalt Tales logo uh, and DeWiki yes. uh, who fucking hooked us up with the amazing Dalt Tales uh, music um worth every penny i don't i don't care how much yeah. it was it was worth every goddamn penny don't say that i'll start charging us more <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we don't need any more entrance musics until down the road when we have enough money to, to pay for more but... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah man uh but yeah, subscribe to the Patreon. We're putting, doing a lot of fun stuff. Uh, we have a Discord server that a whole bunch of cool people are in, and uh, it's actually off to a great start. A lot off to a lot better start than I thought it would be. So uh, everyone that's out there that's uh, subscribed to the Patreon, everybody that's on Discord, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for helping make this what it is. Um, and on that note, uh, I don't know. See you later, fuckers. Well, I was going to say we didn't do our, our Twitter, but that's okay. You oh shit! All the, all the social media. No, no, these people need to follow me. I have an ego to feed. You can check us out on Twitter at if you catch. Oh no, that's not right. You can check <laughs> us out on Twitter at Catch My Griff Pod. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Griff Boy Dalt. And you can find you can find me on everything. Boy Dalt. Uh, Xbox Live Griff Boy Dalt. Uh, PSN Griff Boy Dalt. Twitter Instagram Griff Boy Dalt. You know, boy with is. an I though. B O I. B O I B O I. I'm 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 Say cool. It. You know, you're cool. a twink. I'm, yeah. You're not. You're, you're not. You're I am. Sorry. I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm the bearded twink. Oh, you can find me. Oh, shit. You can find Austin at Austin Agogo. And if you don't, if you're not tired of listening to my voice now, I have, <gasps> as of this, launched another podcast with a friend of the show and former um, guest on our show, Dwayne where he exposes me to the band against me and the name of the podcast is against austin and i guess he told me yesterday that i was the only person he knew that had not heard of this band which is the only reason i got the gig um but i'm listening to their entire discography for the first time and we talk about it yeah uh, he's he's ashamed of the lack of my music knowledge which (laughs) it's just my music knowledge is just different not less it's just old whoa (laughs) whoa whoa I'll take oh, that. So I was so mean. I'm sorry, Austin. I'm no, it was so true. sorry. Listen, that was mean. Oh, that was mean. I'm Once sorry. in a while, you get it right. Uh, you can find it against Austin everywhere that podcast is found on Spotitunes, Spotify, iTunes, uh, podcast apps uh, abroad. Charlie, where they can find you at? Uh, Charlie underscore Butters on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, man. Uh, Austin, you got something to say? You got something to leave the people with? Day beautiful. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm still here, still bringing it to ya Oh my God, good girls know how to get hot to ya I'm a fucked up in my Sunday best No one can shame cause I love this dress I'm over hot, this old holy mess Doing my best, bitch, I'm blessed Oh, if you couldn't tell We can always find the trouble We don't need no help Seeing
Let it. 